When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Double cover, double cover, double cover. Mama, we made it. The network picked us up. Well, we're like established. We, we need the signs that says like clap, cheer, laugh. J-Mac here, D-Mac to the right. Welcome to Double Coverage. Mama, we made What's it. up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. I am your host, J-Mac, your co-host on the other side of me, D-Mac. We're coming to you on another week talking some football talking some life, letting you guys get an inside look from our perspective. You guys know you can catch us on all your favorite podcast streaming sites, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. Just search Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. And as always, you can find us on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at McCourty Twins. Make sure when you find us, you go follow. When you find that podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Dev, let's get right into the show. We had super wild card weekend hey, in the NFL. Why, why is it why is it now super and not just wild I guess, card? Dean? I guess because there's another team. It used to be two teams with a bye week. Now it's just one team with a bye week. So I guess now it became super and it's not just wild card. But there wasn't much super about the weekend because the games were far from super. They were really bad. And sad to say you were a part of that. But we're not going to start there. Let's start with some of the good games. The Cowboys lose to the 49ers in a classic matchup. That, I mean, it was just awesome to see. If you grew up a Cowboys fan, 49ers, you just watched those two teams battle it out over the years. And we got a chance to see it again. Dallas was the home team, but fell short. The game came down to controversial. Or I guess it wasn't really controversial, but at the end of the game, was it though? Like the, t- they, the, out- the time from ran the outside, out. Like from the outside looking, and it was controversial. I'm just saying, like Dallas ran the two minute drill. How you run the two minute drill in to perfection? Yes. You keep you keep you keep moving the ball, and then when you get in a tough situation, the ball's already on the hash. You hand the ball to the center, and you can just snap it. But in the game. The ref has to touch the ball. And we all, I know for us, and I'm sure the teams you've been on, you always talk about the refs not being 4-3-4, So we have to account for the time it's going to take for that ref to get there. I will say we had this argument uh, in our, uh, after we left the facility Monday and we all were hanging out for a little bit. Somebody, some guys were like, the ref was running slow. I don't know how you felt, Jay. I felt like that ref was hauling. Like, he, he was moving compared to what you usually see from the refs out there trying to run and spot the ball. This came up for us in training camp. Mac Hollins catches a pass, and he's going. Because what do we always talk about as an offensive player? In a two-minute drill, what do you do with the ball, Dev, after you make a catch? Hand the ball to the ref. Take it to the hash hand the and ball. hand it to the ref. Exactly. Mac Hollins catches the ball. He's down. He goes to get the ball to the ref, but he doesn't run all the way up to the ref. He gets to about five to two two, and gives a little chuck, throws Ah. the ball to the ref. And Flo brought up a good point. He said, hey, let's remember, these refs, they're not 
all pro receivers. These guys are sometimes older, sometimes younger. They're doing their best to hustle and get the ball. You're just adding in another variable by throwing the ball to the ref. Because we don't know what these guys did in high school. We don't know if they were athletes. We don't know if they played football, basketball. They might have been on the chess club, debate team. You have no idea. So that ref was probably running as hard as he possibly can because we saw earlier in the Raiders-Cincinnati game, there was an inadvertent whistle and we saw that that referee crew will not be refing another playoff game these guys want to get it right so like we said like i said it was not controversial you run the qb draw you go down you hand the ball to the center and you try to snap the ball the ref has a job to do could you imagine a controversy if they were allowed to snap the ball without the ref touching it and then run a play and score a touchdown the 49ers would have been livid and they would have had every right to poor execution down the stretch for dallas ends up losing the game. From my opinion, San Fran is lined up in a sideline defense. Let's just take our shot to the end zone now because when they get into their rebound defense, they're going to have more people back there and more prepared to be able to jump up and spike that ball. While everybody's standing on the sideline, let's try to run by them and get to the end zone and let's get two shots at the end zone. But it didn't happen. Good idea. A lot of risk. No reward. And, I mean, the simple fact, the 49ers, they went about 40 yards attacking the sideline. So, I mean, I'd rather take another shot even at throwing it to the sideline to see if the 49ers truly are in a sideline defense. And then I think what could have really helped, the offensive line got together hip to hip to snap the ball for their spike situation. Somebody let the ref through, open up a path for the ref. He ran through there, dropped his weight, ran through the offensive line just to spot the ball uh, I want to just go out there and say I give A plus on effort for that ref. I mean, he made it happen. It was a half. It was only a half a second short for uh, a really tough play to run in that situation uh, that almost got executed at a high level. So yeah. uh, I'm sure Kellen Moore is answering a lot of questions uh, in these meetings as he is. His name has come up a lot for these NFL head coaching vacancies. Yeah, almost. They almost executed perfectly. Almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And sorry for them, we were not playing that this past Sunday. But as we're talking about the refs, let's get into the first game that took off was the Raiders versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And Jack Pot Joey brought the first win to Cincinnati in 31 years in the playoffs if they beat the Raiders 26 to 19. I didn't see, well, I didn't see any of this game. Yeah, you were getting ready to play. But I wasn't playing. I had my foot up watching the game. It was a fun game to watch. Boy, do they get the ball to Jamar Chase, and he makes things happen. Who, When they go to Tennessee next week, please, somebody, double-team Jamar Chase. Do not allow him to beat you. But it was a fun game to watch. Uh, two really good quarterbacks, uh, and, 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 uh, and Jackpot Joey and Derek Carr going back and forth. But... Cincinnati was able to come up with the win. And they're a young team that is fun and exciting to watch. It's going to be fun to watch them go down to Tennessee because they're two kind of differently matched teams. So uh, enjoy watching that Cincinnati game. You didn't get a chance to watch, but they have a lot of young talent out there. They made some plays on defense and they were able to stop them. And the Raiders, I mean, credit to them. Obviously, the controversy that they've gone through yeah. uh, this season with uh, Gruden being fired. Obviously, um, he resigned. Henry Ruggs Gruden resigned. Yeah, he resigned, fired, emails, only his emails, nobody else's emails. We're not going to get into all of that. The Henry Ruggs situation. 
Um, Damon Arnett, who joined our team, uh, was a first rounder for them that they released. And Hobbs got so a lot of different distractions, and they've held it together, was able to make it to the playoffs, but fell a short, fell a little bit short. It catches up to you when it catches up to you. Would have been hard for that team to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think what you said is interesting, too. We'll see as this week unfolds. Uh, Tennessee, who did a great job, I mean, securing the number one seed in the AFC without Henry, uh, multiple uh, injuries throughout the season. I think they had 91 guys on their roster this year. I mean, unbelievable. And now it will be interesting to see if that week has earned them a chance to have Derrick Henry back in the, the playoffs King. playing. Uh, will be very – and if – if he's not back this week and they can win, and he'll probably definitely be back the next week, as they said, he was clear for physical contact and practice now. Um, so even if he's there on a limited basis, uh, it'll be a, a fun game to watch just to see, like you said, two different uh, contrasting styles going head-to-head -head in the playoffs. You got to love that. Yeah. Friend of the show, Thomas Brady, down in Tampa, got the victory very convincingly over the Philadelphia Eagles. Wasn't much to say about that game. Tampa Bay was Can dominant he, from did you start see what to he did finish. On the, did you see what he did on the sideline? The snag, the catch? Yes, of course. Yeah, this is all coming back as I know Philly fans were probably cheering at home that he made that catch and not the catch a few years ago in Super Bowl 52 as that became a little bit of a topic. Uh, if you watch Man in the Arena when he showed Nick Foles' Philly special catching the ball and then him falling a little bit short off the fingertips. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, go watch Man in the Arena. Great show. Uh, not just because he's a friend of the show. I thoroughly enjoy that show. I don't know if you watch that, Jay. That show is predominantly about winning teams and winning cultures uh, and winning players, something you fall just a little short on. And I know that leads us into our next game where you'll get to laugh, crack jokes, do what you do. So go ahead. Have fun for the next 2.2 minutes and 30 seconds probably. Have fun. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, and before I get into that, if you guys heard iPads are going off, Deb, can you please tell your kids to stop FaceTiming my kids? They are at school. They cannot get to the iPad right now. But as you said, you're talking about winning, winning football, winning culture. And that is exactly what the Buffalo Bills did in their super wild card weekend. They played at home in the blistering cold. That game looked so cold from it my couch. It was so cold. All you saw was breath in the air, and you saw the New England defense breathing very hard because Josh Allen was on his game. He is a quarterback in these playoffs. All right, let's playoffs not go too far. Let's not go too far. Let's just get this game he, over. He, he is a quarterback in these playoffs that if he can play well, they are going to be extremely hard to beat as he is. I mean, he was just he played really well. And I won't go too far, like you said. But watching that game, it just shows the potential that how far he can take that team when they're playing well on defense and when he's executing at such a high level on offense as he was doing Saturday night. So, um, but like I let off with, not a, a fun game to watch, but fun to see that type of execution down the playoffs, especially, I think, in a cold-weather game because sometimes you assume, hey, we have to run the ball, this, that, and the third. And you saw Mac Jones as well, who was doing a good job uh, operating and doing some things. Obviously, the game got out of hand, but he made some good throws from early on the first possession in that game. Yeah, I mean, definitely a tough battle, and I would say – uh, like you said, playing against a quarterback like that, the ability right on the first drive um, to feel like you're doing okay, and then boom, 26 yards later, he's all the way down uh, to me and at the free safety 
um, because he makes one guy miss and then he can go. Uh, and then as the game went on, we just couldn't answer and get a stop. You know, a couple third downs, they were able to make plays, and it was just like they got rolling. Um, you know, I think him buying time in the pocket, moving, running when he had to, buying time to throw, uh, them adjusting and seeing what coverage we were in, attacking the weakness of the coverage. It was just a, a game as a defender that was very frustrating because you just felt like you did no right in the game uh, no matter what. The play calls, they were kept changing. We kept trying something different. We, I mean, Steve called everything we had uh, Saturday night, and it's just like nothing went right for us. And I would say the disappointing part about that is when that happens, uh, I think everybody's played in a game where you felt like, man, we just can't get anything going. But for that to show up in a playoff game, which from watching the games this weekend, there were there were several teams who, it, when you watched the game, it was like, dang it, like this is all up to the other team if they if they make a mistake and, and do something wrong because they're definitely not stopping them, um, and that's how we felt, and you know, obviously not a great feeling, um, but you know, before we move on, I will say uh, when you look back and you take some time um, to look at the season to go from two and four rookie quarterback yeah. to have a lot of new players come together and to be able to rebound similar to Miami who reeled off I think it was seven straight we reeled off I think six or seven straight too to turn that around and have a chance in the playoffs I think speaks to the future in New England uh, with some of the young talent and players they have um, you can tell that I, I think the future is going to be bright obviously with Mac and guys like uh, Mondre and my, my doll be more on the on the front out of that rookie class and you know some of these other guys that have come in um i think the future is really bright on what they'll be able to develop uh and accomplish in the years coming and just real quick speak to us about what it's like you're a guy that has been in the playoffs a lot we saw um after you guys played this game you started your 24th career playoff game uh, the highest defensive player that was on that list with the likes of the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the Jerry Rice's. I mean, just one hell of an accomplishment that talks about, obviously, you're a part of a winning organization, so that creates the opportunity. But it also speaks to the durability the, uh, and availability to be able to go out there when your team is in those situations and know that, hey, he's going to be out here and he's going to be playing for us. But speak your guy has had a lot of playoff experience. What is that like? You're getting ready. And obviously when the playoffs start, everybody's mind is we're going to the Super Bowl and we're going to win it. Talk to us a little bit about that crash landing when you do fall short and you go from planning the next however many weeks leading up to the Super Bowl to now, just like that, you get on a plane ride back home and the season's over. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like you said. It is like being on an airplane and it's just a, it's just a crash landing. And... The truth of the matter is, for some teams that happens uh, on wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. For other teams, it's going to happen in divisional round. Other teams, it's in the AFC and NFC championship. And then ultimately, it'll still be one more team in the Super Bowl that has to experience just that deflating feeling. And um, I think with those 24 starts, you talk about that. There's been a lot of moments like that where it is a crash landing, and you're just you're just lost. And I think obviously Saturday night. Um, wasn't like some of those other ones where, you know, you're in the game, it comes down to one play, a couple plays, and then it's just over just like that. Uh, being on that sideline Saturday, you had a lot of time to think. I mean, the whole fourth quarter, basically, you're sitting there and, you know, you're thinking about all of the work. You're thinking about how embarrassing it is being out there. You're just seeing everything kind of fall apart uh, right in front of you. And, you know, I think, like you said, being a guy in his 12th year, 
you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have to be in the playoffs. So uh, to, to witness that and, and to have to go through that, um, ultimately, though, I think it makes guys better. You know, anytime you go into the playoffs, like you said, expectations are high. You, you want to win and move forward. And when it ends, you know, like I told our group, you have to use that to fuel you going into the offseason. You can't turn into the woe is me and feel sorry for yourself because, you know, we didn't play well in a playoff game and it got up. Like, you can't fall into that. You got to let that fuel you on what's next, uh, what you want your career to be. Like, that's what's most important. Um, and I think that's what happens in the playoffs. You see guys, you know, in that playoff game one way and they come back a different player, a better player, um, a better leader, uh, a better pro. Um, so uh, it's always exciting to see some of these teams exit the playoffs and see what happens the next year. Because, like I said, it could fuel you or it could be the end of just the beginning for some teams. No doubt about it. And for you now, as you talk about off seasons, futures, do you take your time to decide, all right, I just finished my 12th year. How do you, what goes into the process of deciding what's next? You'll obviously be a free agent this year as well. Yeah, uh, just hanging out, you know, I think, you know, hanging out with the fam, not getting the opportunity to not think about football uh, for at least a month or two. And, you know, I think even at this age, I'm going to continue to do the offseason stuff that I, I usually do uh, just to give myself that, you know, that option of, of what you want to do next. Um, but, you know, I still feel great, you know, uh, going over all of the the tests and all the things that we do during the season, uh, what our, our uh, sports performance guy, Johan, um, not haven't had a drop off in athletic ability and the physical traits to play the game. So uh, it, it all really comes down to mentally and, and being ready and, and being able to tap back in and, and go through uh, a full season. And, you know, I think those are the things you have to think about. Um, but, you know, I'm going to definitely take my time and, and see what happens uh, for the future. You know, I, I try not to, say I'll never do this or I'm only going to do that and just kind of let it play itself out and, and see uh, how it goes and, you know, probably go down to Miami and hang out with you for a little while, uh, get me some nice uh, tropical drinks and, and grab some wine, you know, just enjoying the offseason. Sounds like a plan. This guy's playing way too – he's playing at such a high level still in his career. No way he hangs him up, just my opinion. But – Let's talk a little bit more football. The Kansas City Chiefs beat down the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we heard Big Ben before the game talk about they were probably the 14th team on their way into the playoffs. You knew it was going to be an uphill battle. They put up a good fight, making plays early, um, but they just couldn't withstand uh, that Kansas City Chiefs offense and defense. And ultimately, game ends up in a blowout, 42-21, to 21, another game that was over by halftime, and it wasn't fun to watch. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think a lot has been talked about Big Ben ending his career. We'll see. You go out there, you lose a playoff game. Uh, will he come back? Will he retire? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I do say, I will say, if he does decide to retire, Pitt sent him out the right way as far as yeah. giving him his flowers while he was still there. Obviously, they didn't win the, the, uh, the amount of games they wanted to. And, you know, it's always to see, it's always great to see a guy go off with like a Super Bowl or something like Peyton did. Um, but not always practical, but they definitely gave him his flowers out in Pittsburgh if he does decide to hang up the cleats. No doubt about it. And in another blowout, the L.A. Rams beat down the Cardinals. Wasn't close. 
OBJ out there scoring touchdowns. Matt Stafford throwing daggers. Was not a fun game. We had a, a pick six, then another pick. That game was ugly early on. My son, a big Odell Beckham fan, he had his shirt on throughout the day, wanted to sleep in his shirt, told him that was nasty. We were outside, we were running around. So he decided to hold the shirt up while he was watching some of the game before he had to go to bed. So, I mean, a, a big win for those guys, uh, obviously, uh, down in L.A. And, I mean, they're a team where if, if they can get things rolling and Stafford can protect the ball with what they have on defense and now adding uh, Odell Beckham to go along with Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup, obviously, and then we saw the way – that man was running the ball back there, Cam Akers, with uh, our friend, As, friend of the show, yeah. PlayStation, Shoney Michelle. They're gonna be, they're gonna be a, a, a tough team uh, in these playoffs. Yeah, and like you said, Von Miller has come on. I think it's six sacks in the last five last games. Five. Yep. He, I mean, he looked like Von Miller from 2015, uh, terrorizing quarterbacks and, and, and making plays in the backfield. Uh, and then obviously the guy that stood, Aaron Donald. And shout out Eric Weddle holding it down, 37 years old, two years of retirement, came back to help lead the secondary. Uh, and he said it was just great being out there, helping uh, helping the calls and everything stay on the same page. And uh, if you didn't get a chance, you should Google uh, Eric, Reddle, Eric Weddle's breakdown of the interception of Long's uh, pick six. Uh, great, I mean, broke it down and, and did a great job. So uh, exciting to see. I'm looking forward to the Rams versus Tampa. Should be a fun game to watch. Should be a fun game, yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get into all the firings that went on around the league, Nick Casero and Houston general manager said probably – won't see Deshaun Watson in a Houston Texans jersey again. Feels like just we're, we're deja vu of everything that went on <laughs> last season. Of now, it's just like, where's Deshaun Watson going to end up? But I think at this point, before March, before free agency, or maybe when free agency starts, we're going to see a trade that involves Deshaun Watson. You just can't have a guy with his capability, his talent, and the cap space that he's eating up just hanging out on the roster while you're not playing him and you're losing games. So I definitely think he gets traded. Maybe it's Denver. Was the Miami interest, was it because of flow? All of the, you know how when somebody's fired and all of a sudden all of these things are leaked here, there, and there. So <laughs> where does Deshaun Watson uh, end up? Will be interesting. Does he go to the Giants? What, what happens? It'll be, it'll be fun uh, to watch as the offseason unfolds. Yeah, and it'll, it'll, again, put another spotlight on all of the off-the-field things that have come up. The However many amount of lawsuits and different things like that that have gone on and taken place, uh, that'll be back in the, the forefront. It'll be back in the media. You know, did he settle these cases? Or, you know, I saw there was a woman who wrote a letter to his girlfriend uh, trying to warn her. So, like, all of these things will uh, that have died down will be back in the media um, and I think that is an aspect that we all have to keep uh, looking at. I know talking to Chris Long uh, months ago, and we always talked about things that happen off the field in time, they just disappear and no one really cares uh, about some of those things. So it'll be interesting to see how his off the field troubles or whatever you want to call it, how they come into play for whatever that next team is, whoever that next team is, are they able to play him? Does the NFL get involved? Um, but, you know, like you said, all the rumors are out. Him and Flo are linking up. They're going together. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to keep an eye and see how that kind of unfolds. Yeah, and talk about um, 
firings that went on around the NFL. Black Monday usually is what we call it, but that thing lingered on for like a week of firings. <laughs> you know, we just saw Mayock get fired uh, with the Raiders. Joe Judge got let go later on uh, in, in, in the week. Uh, Flo was fired down here in Miami on Monday. It's just a crazy scenario. You know, you for players, you look at the Raiders right now, how they've rallied around their interim head coach. For players, you're around these coaches, you see the grind that goes in. So for players, staff, when it's tough because a lot of coaches, when a head coach is fired, the rest of the staff, you're just hanging around waiting to see what's going to happen. Is the next coach that comes in, is he, does he want you on his staff? Do you start interviewing elsewhere, but you're still under contract until this month? A lot of different things transpire. It's not just an easy thing that, hey, the head coach is fired and then everybody else is just like, all right, we still have a job. No, we may have a job. We may not have a job. So a lot of stuff lingers up in the air. It's always a tough thing. When Flo got fired on Monday, we're in the middle of our exit meetings and he's in there. So it's, it's very uncomfortable feeling the next thing you know he just let go and everybody just like what the hell just happened so it's one of those things that you never want to see somebody get fired you see how hard these coaches gms everybody players alike when we're cutting released and trading all of those things you see how much work time effort and energy goes into it but it is a production business and there are relationships that are involved and you never know what's gonna happen in the nfl yeah, and, you know, we'll continue to see all of these interviews and everything take place. And uh, the Rooney Rule has forced these teams to interview uh, so many different candidates. We'll, like we said, we, I think we spoke about it last week, or we spoke about it before in our group chat. Of, you know, once Flo got fired and then David Culley got fired in Houston, we are down to one African-American head coach in the NFL, Mike Tomlin, who's been at it for years in Pittsburgh, winning record every year he's coach i mean just been a star in the nfl as a head coach but now we are down to just him and we continue to see these interviews roll out byron leftwich gerard mayo leslie frazier todd bowles uh the names continue to be routed off of african-american coaches getting head coaching interviews but we all know the rule requires an interview, not a hire. Not a hire. So yep. it will be interesting to see if we do see any African-American coaches get hired this coaching cycle. Um, I think it would be terrible and uh, absolutely laughable for the NFL to roll out so many inspired change and social justice and how to help and then walk away with one black head coach to me would be just such a shame. Um, and you might as well throw all the other stuff out. If you can't do it at home and your own business, how can you advocate uh, for other people to do those things uh, when it's not happening right at home? Uh, so it'll be, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how everything works out uh, and who gets what job. Very, very well said. Let's get into what's going on in the group chat. I don't know if you saw, but Ezekiel Elliott, we all know he was playing injured, has a partially torn PCL. But it goes into the bigger thing. There are so many guys that are playing injured. And I think sometimes we, people as fans and everybody from the outside looking in, you don't realize is that when that season ends, there's a crop. Obviously, you know the guys that are already on injured reserve, like myself, recovering from a surgery. But then there's a whole crop of maybe anywhere from 
two to five, seven, eight players that already have off-season surgery planned that they've been playing through for possibly the last 10 weeks. And it's kind of a gladiator mindset, but it's insane because it's expected each and every year. It's, oh, yeah, when the season ends, hey, we're going to have more guys. And it'll probably get be about three or four guys that all have surgery that they've been needing for the past month. And guys just play through it. Have you been in that situation where you've had to play through an injury that you knew you were going to need surgery on uh, at the end of the season? Yeah, I've had three surgeries, two on my shoulder, one on my thumb. Um, and, yeah, you know, you just know it. I'm the type of person, my wife gets mad at me when I know something's messed up, but I know I'm going to play. So I'm like, she's like, did you get an MRI? I'm like, nah, I'll get it after the season. Why? Don't you want to know what you're playing with? No, I really don't. I know I can still play. I don't want to know what it is. I know it feels like I'm going to need surgery. It hurts a lot. But if I could go play, I'm going to play, and then I'll get surgery after. And then, like you said, sometimes there's things that hurt, and then you just have to rehab. But, you know, just from talking to guys, you know they go in, that exit meeting, you go to meet with Doc, and it's like, all right, when you want to schedule this thing? Because you knew it was coming, the time is now, and it's and in our, in our uh, field of work, it's how can we get this surgery done right away so we could get the rehab and then get you back out there. But for players, too, you want to go on vacation. You want to have some time to yourself. <laughs> and surgeries really derail that, like I know you know, Jay, of not being able to enjoy your offseason the way you would like with your family, with your girlfriend, whatever it is, your significant other you're not always able to do that because you have a shoulder surgery or you have a knee surgery, and now you just can't travel that way. It's not yeah. fun. So True. Very true. The rehab takes precedence over everything else. You guys game down in Buffalo. We talked about how cold it was, but it wasn't cold for a former player. Ryan Fitzpatrick was shown in the stadium, in the stands, amongst Bill's Mafia, amongst his people, beard in full effect, no shirt on, yelling and screaming. I had one issue with this. If I am a part of the Washington football team, Fitzy, what the hell are you doing in Buffalo when you were on our team all season? That was my only issue with it. I love Fitz for it. I love this. Disagree energy, with you. But if I am a part of the Washington football team, get your back to DC and whatever you were hurt, rehab that and get your butt out the stands in Buffalo. No, Fitzy Buffalo legend. He's one of those guys who uh, did a lot of suffering in his Buffalo days, and now he is enjoying the spoils, uh, the riches of what Buffalo is now doing, and he was there enjoying it uh, because he went through a lot of tough years. So shout out Fitz Magic, holding it down, always been a man of the people, and uh, our guy B Spikes. I seen him behind our bench, fur coat on and everything, but he had a Buffalo hat on. Little disappointed in my draft mate. Uh, to New England 2010 class holding it down. Yeah, for sure. Here you go. Nick Bolson said it. 49ers equal America's team. Agree or disagree? You got to love it. It doesn't matter if I agree. They went to Dallas. They got the win at Dallas on their home field. They beat America's team. He says, so if you beat America's team, then you are America's team. Nick Bolson, talk the talk because you already walked the walk. You got to love a guy, leaves the game in concussion protocol, but still has time to let you know we are America's team. Cam Akers comes back six months post 
tearing his uh, Achilles. And he was, I mean, the man was running angry. He had 95 yards uh, in, the, in the playoff game versus the Cardinals. But, I mean, how, how amazing. I've never heard of that being done. Six months post-Achilles. Yeah, I mean, we were in there talking to the trainers. They're like, well, maybe it wasn't fully torn. Maybe, like, we, they were trying to come up with how he possibly could be back. Uh, cool story to see. They said his whole time rehabbing, he just stayed ahead of schedule. Uh, they would do stuff with him, and they're like, wow, he's already doing this. I can't believe it. I think then that obviously painted a picture of like, hey, maybe he can come back in the playoffs. And I know as a player, you're like, man, he might be coming back too early. I hope he doesn't. And he goes out there and does what he did this weekend. It's like can't makers do get out of his way. Yes, for sure. Impressive. For sure. Definitely impressive. Odell Beckham has six touchdowns now with the Rams, the same amount that he had with the Browns. OBJ still has it. Browns fault, Beckham's fault. Who knows? Who cares? The Browns like it's the Browns' fault. He's a stud still. Has to hurt as a Cleveland fan watching him out there. Has to hurt. He is who you thought he was. <laughs> yes, for sure. Now, as we talk about these NFL head coaches being fired, higher interviews, all of this type stuff, let's talk about a little bit about now as a head coach, how do you decide where you're going to take your talents? Who's taking their talents to South Beach? Who's going to the cold to Minnesota or to Chicago? Who's going to the Mecca in New York, New Jersey, to the Giants? There's so many openings. Who wants to head out west to Vegas and deal with all of the distractions out there in Vegas? It's a crazy scenario for so many coaches. And the way I look at it, first-time head coaches, wherever they're offering a job, I'm going. If you saw Cully in Houston got fired after one season, and he will take home $22 million for that one season in Houston. Becoming a first-time head coach significantly, significantly changes your bank account. So you may not be able to be choosy. When someone comes calling, you answer the phone, you pack your bags, you tell your players thanks for your service, and you head to wherever they're calling you, and you go and become a head football coach. But I think that scenario changes for those veteran head coaches. You start to look for the right situation. If I'm a defensive coach, do I want to go to a team where they have a solidified quarterback? So now I just have to find me the right OC. If I'm an offensive coach or if I'm an organization with a young quarterback who I think has the potential to be a franchise guy, am I prioritizing a quarterback-driven offensive coordinator head coach that can come be my QB whisperer? Deb, how do you think all of this unfolds for these head coaches, GMs, and all of these surgeons? Do I make sure my head coach and GM like each other? How do, or is it a prearranged marriage? How do we figure this thing out? Yeah, I think as you come up as a young coach or any coach, you do. You want to pick the best scenario. So you want to have, if you're going to a team with a new GM, hey, can I get to know this GM? How's this going to work out? They talked about the Giants interviewing, uh, I can't think of his name, I want to say Adam Peters, who came up the scouting department in New England with Flo. Do the Giants go that way, Flo and Peters, and, and say, hey, let's, let's arrange this perfect marriage? Like, I don't know. Does Miami decide, hey, Brian Dable, we're interviewing him. He coached Tua down in uh, Alabama. We already have a defensive coordinator. We liked our defense maybe. Maybe you liked your special teams, and you want to keep those guys in place. The uh, defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, worked with Dable in New England. Is there already something there? Who knows? Does Houston, Nick Cassera, does he go get a head coach that he worked with in the past? Like, 
Who knows? He went and hired David Culley the first year who came from Baltimore. So it's very interesting to see teams like Denver, who seem to have a lot of great pieces already there, but without the main piece of quarterback. The Giants, who spend a good amount of money. They have a top receiver over there. They have some defensive players over there. Leonard Williams is a stud. Do they want Daniel Jones to say, like, who knows? But I think as a, as a coach, you come in, you want to try to find the best situation. But at the same time, depending on what your family situation is, if they say, hey, we got five for 25, come on in, sign me up. Show Look at me Matt the money. Look at Matt Rule down in Carolina. A lot of people are criticizing, but he came in and made more than even normal first-time head coaches. And whether you, whether you like it or not, Matt Rule's down there, big chilling. If they fire him, he'll go somewhere else. But the money is made, and now his next time, if he gets opportunity, he could be a little bit more picky on what he wants because he already got the money in the bank account, making money on the money. But I do think a head coaching opportunity is a lot like free agency for players. You get an opportunity to try to find the best situation for yourself, but ultimately, like everybody else that works for a living, you want to try to make more money, whether it's a promotion, a raise. That's what you get an opportunity to do, and these head coaches are being promoted now, whether you are a position coach, a coordinator. You're, being, mm-hmm. you're getting a chance to be promoted, and you can't say no to that opportunity. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Hey, let's get into our Dan O'Brien keeping it awesome moment of the week. D-Mac, who do you have? The Dan O'Brien keeping it moment keeping it keeping it awesome moment of the week. No other than ESPN's own Malika and Kendra Andrews. Why did we choose this? We're twin brothers. We love to see this. Uh, Kendra, who is a reporter now for ESPN with the Golden State Warriors. Her sister, Malika, who has climbed the charts uh, and is all over ESPN and ABC, uh, all of those different networks handling the finals and all these NBA games. Um, She welcomes her to the show. She reports on Golden State. And they're, they're going back and forth talking probably like they did in the mirror over and over again as kids because they're sisters. And they're both working for ESPN, both sharing the screen. So a true sister, sister moment. Uh, and if you didn't watch that show growing up, that just means you're too young. So shout out Tia and Tamara Maori, And shout out the Andrew sisters who took over ESPN earlier today to report. Uh, you got to look forward to seeing this in the future them sharing the big screen. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. For sure. You know the family's proud. Before we get into who won and who lost the weekend, let's talk a little bit playoff football predictions. Coming up in the divisional round, we have Buffalo at Kansas City. You may not be able to choose it, but I am going with Buffalo. I believe Josh Allen stays on a tear. The defense shows up and don't allow a bunch of points, and Buffalo walks away with a victory and a chance to play in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'll go Kansas City. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a win-win. Oh, it's kind of a win and a loss because whoever wins, I'm going to be mad that they won, but I'm going to be happy at whoever loses. So uh, I'll go Kansas City, and then I'm going to go with whoever wins on the other side of AFC next week. So uh, you have – oh, actually, I'll tell you right now. I'm going Kansas City, and then I'm going Tennessee. So uh, hopefully we see Tennessee in the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Can't pick Kansas City, can't pick Buffalo. Just can't do it. Yeah, and I'm, I, I love to go against you, but 
the fact that I spent eight years down there in Nashville. I am going with the Tennessee Titans as well. I want to see the Titans continue to win. Uh, I, I love watching Cincinnati, but I got to go with the Titans. I, I called that place home for too long not to root for the Titans. So I'm going with Tennessee as well. In the NFC, we have the Rams and Tampa Bay, Brady, Stafford, and the whole nine. Who you got there? Yeah. I'll let you go first. Who you got? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm petty on this one. So Tom got the Super Bowl last year. Loved it. Do you think, TB12. But after losing Saturday, uh, one of the main reasons I lost that game is because Tom Brady now plays for Tampa. So I am going with... No, nah, I'm joking. Uh, I, I, think, I think the Rams are going to win this one. Um, I just think the Rams have a lot. Uh, if Tampa didn't have the injuries... Uh, and the A-B situation, how that unfolded, I would pick them. I just think when Tom has those kind of weapons, he I just don't think he can lose, especially with the defense they have. But I think right here you're going to have an evenly matched defenses going at each other. Um, but I just felt like I just feel like the Rams have a lot of skilled players to spread that ball out to. Um, let's see if they can dethrone Tom. Usually no matter what you pick, Tom finds a way to win. Uh, but I'm going and that's with the Rams. why and that's why and that's why I'm going with him. I'm going with the experience. This is a Super Bowl champion team. They know what it's like. They've been there. And plus, my son will be devastated if Brady loses this upcoming weekend. So I am going with Tampa Bay. And I believe that Tom brings home a victory and takes them to this conference championship again. San Francisco, Green Bay. I'm going with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers. I'm going. I'm going Green Bay. Going to Green Bay this time of year, not fun. Um, so I, I'm going. I'm going Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Shout out to the 49ers though. They've had a great season, but it will be ending this weekend. Who won? Who lost the weekend? Who won the weekend was an easy choice. Matthew Stafford gets his first playoff victory. Doesn't want to take the glory. He just said it is a great opportunity for the team and a great team win. But I know that is a huge monkey off his back. A ton of success in Detroit for him individually not a lot collectively as a team so great to see him get his first playoff victory and in the process of doing so he threw he threw Odell Beckham his first playoff touchdown and you know how excited he is after the turmoil stay in Cleveland I feel you I had a tumultuous stay in Cleveland as well at least you got to win a few games but it was horrible I know it and he is happy in LA changing the color of his hair and scoring touchdowns on Sundays who lost the weekend this is easy Novak Djokovic uh I mean it is what it is to be vaccinated or not to be vaccinated is the question uh Novak had uh, he had everything planned. He had his visa, um, but that did not last. Uh, the minister, uh, immigration minister in Australia decided to cancel that visa. He said it is in the best interest of the public uh, because Novak is unvaccinated. So he was sent home um, the day before the Australian Open, could not participate in the Australian Open. This is now twice that he has not been allowed to participate in a tournament. 34-year-old uh, Novak, uh, number one player in the world, not able to compete and bring home probably another championship. He is that good. Again, shows you where we are at in the world. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, COVID. COVID is still out here winning the fight. It has been knocking people out for far too long. 
I know we all want to move past this. This is what we're talking about in sports. This is a real life thing. People have lost lives, um, but it just goes to show you the impact COVID has had that we are still dealing with this, determining a player's status to compete. Um, and we look forward to the future of not having to deal with this, but I don't see that coming anytime soon. Uh, so maybe Novak decides to get vaccinated. They said he also did. He lied on his documentation to come into the country. Um, so a lot of uncertainty about everything going on, but hopefully we see him back on the court or the clay competing soon. For sure, for sure. Thank you guys for another week of watching us on Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. You guys know YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. Find it, subscribe to it, and then check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at McCourty Twins. As always, it has been a blast. Appreciate you guys.